Good morning, Ninth Street. Um, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but uh, we always leave whatever situation we are in differently. We may leave it better, we may leave it worse, but we always leave it different. Uh, I would illustrate that by this can of paint uh, that is now almost empty. After this quarantine is lifted, I will bet there are things in your life or in your house or your craft room or your project list or your garage or your, your garden. I'll after these few weeks, for better or for worse. My wife found some in the... Uh, in our basement a couple weeks ago when I came home from work and uh, a good section of our house was in the process of being painted. Uh, it ended up being better. And so we want to think about that for the next few weeks, that, um, that principle that we always leave the situations that we're in differently. The next five weeks in our Core 52 study, the theme that we're going to look at um, is the difference maker that Jesus was. Uh, that Jesus came and he led and he ministered and he served in ways that changed um, the, uh, the world in which he lived. Um, it changed the world. For some people, it made their world much, much better. For others, it, not so much. And so we're going to use the theme over these next five weeks, Leave It Better. Now, I borrowed this theme from some of our fine state parks and uh, national parks. And you've probably seen that advertisement if you've pulled into one of those places. Just that old logo, leave it better than you found it. In other words, pick up your or pick up somebody else's trash, clean up your mess, put out your fires, um, leave the area you are in better than when you got there. Your Core 52 study this week concluded uh, this week's uh, ideas and, and assignments with a challenge to think about your areas of influence, your home, your places of work, um, the influences, relational things that you have. And it just begs us to ask the question, how will I leave it better? How do I leave that place better? Well, the next five weeks, we're going to look at the way that Jesus, I think, would counsel us because it's the way that he lived. It's the way that he served. It's the way that he ministered. It was his way. And that way always leaves um, those in its wake better than they were before. And we want to follow that. And so uh, we're going to look at five traits that, that Jesus left the world better because he was a good shepherd and he was humble and he mentored people and he was a man that practiced good leadership and he was a man of grit. And those things apply at many levels, but they certainly apply to those of us who follow Jesus, that Jesus made our lives better through those kinds of traits. And Jesus invites us uh, to leave it better uh, in our relationships, in our places of work, in our, our situations, our environments, allows to leave them better by looking and thinking about uh, that idea. And so we're going to think on this theme of leave it better the next few weeks. And so this morning, um, as Tyler already mentioned, we're going to think about that first trait here this morning. Uh, let's look at our memory verse, uh, Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. Where's a memory verse? We're going to go ahead after we've said this a couple of times and, and say, read the rest of the psalm. But uh, Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3 says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. He restores my soul. 
Now, if that's all the psalm said, that would be, be plenty. There's a lot in those just few sentences. So let's read that again. And then this time we're going to go on and read the rest of it and just pick up word by word, phrase by phrase, um, just the, the, the dynamic um, life-lifting, life-improving uh, traits that the good shepherd serves those that he loves with. Say it again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. It goes on to say, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will live and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you see how we can say that the Lord does indeed leave us better than he found us when he loves us and cares for us with that kind of love? Let me highlight a couple of important things about this psalm, uh, some traits, a few things that I think are worth drawing out of this psalm and this, this trait. The first thing I would say, I think, is just that, that this psalm is, is a meaningful metal, metaphor. This whole idea of the shepherd and the sheep is a very meaningful metaphor uh, for us. Psalm 23 is a beautiful picture. In many ways, it is a tip of a biblical iceberg that goes deep down into Scripture the shepherd and the sheep illustration runs throughout the Bible and is one that you are wise to learn and to understand. So let's think about shepherds and sheep for a moment. It is interesting that we are compared to sheep throughout Scripture. Um, and they may look cute and fluffy uh, in, your, in your picture book, but really one of the things that David did when he chose the metaphor, the image of sheep, is that um, he was kind of highlighting all the things that were not. Uh, in fact, even David's own life, David was a lot of things. He was a great musician, very talented, apparently. Good songwriter, played his instruments well, apparently sang well. And they could have said, well, uh, I'm a musician and the Lord is my conductor. That's a very flattering thing for David. He could have said, well, I'm a great warrior, which he was. Many, many conquests, famous for his great um, uh, exploits in battle. And he could have said, the Lord is my general and I am his soldier. He could have said that I am a successful king and leader, which he was in many ways. And he could have said, well, the Lord is my counselor. But David didn't go with those things that made him look good. He went with the metaphor that made him look weak and needy and dependent. And it made the Lord look good because he settles on calling himself a sheep. Sheep are fairly pitiful creatures in a lot of ways. And so are we in many ways. And this metaphor captures the correct relational dynamic between God and us. Uh, we are not equals negotiating our way through life. We are very much needy and helpless, and God is indeed sovereign and overall. And so the Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. He says, Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Again, see that idea that we are vulnerable, we are lost, we are in need of, of guarding, of protecting, of watching over. 
And so God works hard in the Bible to help us see that he is a shepherd, not just in Psalm 23, but throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament when Jesus comes. And he continues to use that metaphor of, of being a good shepherd, especially in the book of John. And so what do shepherds do for sheep? Well, shepherds are meant to lead their sheep, right? They know each of their sheep, and they, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. There's a relational dynamic between a shepherd and sheep. Um, and if that phrase teaches us anything, it is this, that the more that you know God's word, the more that you listen to him and seek him and understand what his direction is, that is where you find that leading. You hear his voice, you know his voice. Jesus, Jesus would say this in John 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. You see, God knows us and he longs to know us and for us to know him, to have that relational dynamic. He wants to lead us. But shepherds are also meant to protect their sheep. The shepherd has a deep concern and care for his sheep. And, and as he knows them by name and as he, he spends his days and his hours and his nights with them, the shepherd pours his heart into caring for them. The shepherd has clear responsibilities to care for the sheep. And that's why Jesus would say in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. He did indeed give his life to protect us. And shepherds also are meant to heal their sheep. Sheep can't protect themselves. They oftentimes can't uh, care for themselves in, in many, many ways. The sheep don't see well, they don't hear well, they don't run very fast, they tend to be pretty sickly. And while this statement is true about real sheep, that is also true about our souls. It's true about us as human beings in a lot of ways. We do need a healer. We do need someone who will restore our souls. We need someone to intervene in our lives to protect us, and God does that for us. I love this picture of Jesus in Revelation chapter 7, verse 17, where he says this, For the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. Note the con context that Jesus is both a sheep, a lamb sacrificed for our sin, but he's also the shepherd. For the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I think that verse captures very well that Jesus is our shepherd and he wants to lead and protect and to heal us. And he will provide us with all that we need for life. So this metaphor of the shepherd and the sheep is, is a beautiful one. And it is one that you should think of often in, in your walk with God. I love the prayer of Hebrews chapter 13 verses 20 and 21 when it says this. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, who ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all that you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. And so this whole sheep and shepherd analogy is a beautiful metaphor that you should know, and that you should learn, and you should think on often. Because the reason that it is such a meaningful metaphor leads to the second thing I want you to see. Because it, it very much describes and helps us to understand the method by which we relate to God. Oftentimes we'll think, well, if God is, is invisible and God is so big and God is all of these things, how do I relate to that God? Well, I think Psalm 23 provides a wonderful uh, path, uh, an example of what it means to relate to God. Reading through Psalm 23, you get a picture of what God does 
for his sheep, for us, and what we should do. And you'll note if you were to just sit down and think, well, who's doing a lot of the acting in Psalm 23, the actions, the verbs, it is very much the shepherd who is doing incredible things. And the sheep are simply receiving. They are trusting. They are listening. They are following. There are a lot of things the sheep do, uh, but they are not the important part of this story. It is what God does. And it is a great method by which we see how we should respond to various life situations, what faith in God can do for us. So Psalm 23, I'm going to read our way back to this passage. And in fact, I'm going to hold up the phrases one by one. And if you're, if you're so inclined, I'd just invite you to, to say them out loud as I hold them up. And I just want us to think about phrase by phrase, God is doing for us what he is inviting us into. The psalm begins with this, the Lord is my shepherd. Each of those words is important. The Lord the word that, God, that David chose is this word Yahweh. It's the all-encompassing, uh, God is everything word for God. And there's a lot of names for God in the Bible, but this is the one that's just God is everything. The God who is everything is my shepherd. Isn't that good news? The Lord is my shepherd. Again, we've already highlighted the, the traits of a shepherd who cares for those he loves. But that beautiful little word, my, is so important there. That God desires a personal relationship with each of his sheep. Now, oftentimes when we think of, of faith, um, we can sometimes focus very much, especially in a lot of New Testament writings, there's a lot of community language, and, and it's us and we, and those are good and true things that we should never forget. But we also should never forget the personal nature of this. David could have said, the Lord is our shepherd, and that would have been comforting and good. But he chose, the Lord is my shepherd. Because each one of us comes to God as a sheep with our own insecurities, vulnerabilities, sins, and weaknesses, and struggles. But God desires a personal relationship with each of his sheep. And for him to be your shepherd, you must see yourself as a sheep being dependent upon the shepherd. And so the Lord is my shepherd. But he goes on to say that because the Lord is my shepherd, he says this, I shall not want. Say that with me. I shall not want. God desires a shepherd that you should have all that you need when you seek him first, allowing him to be your shepherd. And does that mean there won't be moments of anxiety or, or moments where you're, you're questioned, well, where's the next thing coming from? I don't know if it's so much that as it is he's saying that because I have the Lord as my shepherd, there's a sense of contentment. That just as Paul would say in Philippians 4, that I can be content whether I have plenty or I have little because the Lord was a shepherd, because the Lord was with him. And there's a comfort in that, that our, our desires begin to decrease as I realize all that I really need, I have in the Lord. I shall not want. Go to the next one. The idea of the shepherd and what he does. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Say that with me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You see, God will provide the rest that you need when you cast your cares on him. God provides nourishment for our body, mind, and soul. And often we don't feel at rest. We are nervous, we are anxious, we are troubled by so many things. But when we come to the place of really trusting God in life situations, casting our cares on him, we find rest. He leads us to a green pasture where we can rest and trust and, and, and just breathe in life. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. The next one, say this with me. He leads me beside still waters. It's been said, I've never seen this, I'm trusting those who, who know sheep better, that sheep will not drink from water when it is moving rapidly. And so if you were a shepherd and you have a fast-flowing stream, your sheep are not going to stop and take in the, the life-giving water that they need. And so the good shepherd will lead them to quiet places. He will take them where they need to be so that they might be refreshed. And he will bring you to a place as you trust him, as you um, follow him, that he will bring you to a place where you can be refreshed by living water as well, finding peace and finding his love that quenches our heart's thirst. He leads me besides quiet waters. Number five, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. See, God will provide healing as you remain surrendered, no matter what hurts or pain or trauma you may have faced. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the shepherd who just restores my soul? And I don't know what your soul struggles with. I don't know where it hurts, what, what weight you feel in your soul, what burdens you have in your soul, what brokenness it lies within your soul. But what a beautiful promise that the good shepherd restores my soul. He wants to continue to work on and in your soul, but you have to keep surrendering. You have to keep following as the sheep. So take a deep breath and surrender to him, knowing that he longs to restore your soul. He goes on to say this. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Now, God wants to guide you, but the path is not willy-nilly. It's not random. God is going to lead your life in the direction of righteousness, of what is right by God's definition of things. God wants to guide you in the right paths that you should take. Now, God will use his word as you read it. He is speaking to you through that. His spirit will work through that to nudge you, to lead you, um, to help you, to guide you in those paths. Now, as a sheep, as any animal can be, we can be rather stubborn sometimes. Sometimes we don't want to be led in paths of righteousness. We want to be led in paths of, of selfishness and what I want. But God is always trying to nudge us, to lead us through his word, through his spirit at work in our hearts, even through our brothers and sisters to help us with that. Now you can overcome and override God's nudging. You can continue to resist that. And eventually you'll become callous to his calling and his leading. But if you will stay sensitive to him, he will guide you in those right paths. Now, why does he guide you in those paths? What, who's the ultimate winner? It's for his name's sake. Uh, again, David chose a metaphor that made David seem small and the Lord seem big and important and powerful. And David reiterates that idea. That's for his name's sake. This is all to make the Lord look good. It's all to make him honored and, and worthy and, and glorious. His purpose is that you would honor him. And so as he leads you through those paths that bless you and fill your life and restores your soul, who is to get the credit for all of this? It's for his name's sake. It's so that the world might know, the world might declare how good God is, even in the shepherd that he is to his people. He continues on, one of the more powerful ones that makes this a passage we read a lot of times at funerals. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Just because we follow the Lord and just because he's leading us does not mean we will not go through dark valleys in our life. 
even though times are dark and even though things are difficult and stressful and anxious, he promises that even in those dark times, he promises to lead us. Uh, He promises that although difficult territory may be part of your journey, he is leading, he is walking with you. You see, God is always leading us when we are trusting him, even through life's really, really hard things. That may involve dark times and experiences. Even when it is dark, he is there. Even when the valleys seem to be surrounded by threats and enemies, he is with us. And I would even challenge you to think back of the times when you have walked through some of the deepest, darkest valleys of your life, of the times when you have grown the most because of this principle. You have discovered his closeness. You have discovered his presence, his his helpfulness with you, even through valleys that seem so dark and so scary. And because those places seem scary, but the Lord being with us says, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. We never need to be afraid of evil because God is greater. Even though evil may seem strong, he is greater. And so I need not fear the evil that is around me. And again, he reiterates the thought, well, why do I not need to be afraid with the next phrase? For you are with me. God will always be with us, he promises. We are never alone. No matter what, we are not alone as we walk our way through life. Now, we oftentimes forget this promise and we become anxious and and nervous and, and overwhelmed with fear. But we must remind ourselves, the psalmist reminds us Come back to that reminder that the shepherd is always there. I am never alone. And then he changes the metaphor a bit uh, from the valley to, to this, the path of guidance. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Say that with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, if you've seen pictures of shepherds, you know that a shepherd would oftentimes carry a a stick. It looked like a walking stick, but sometimes he would even have a knob on the top of it that, that was helpful for walking. But oftentimes the shepherd would use it to to nudge his sheep back in line, to nudge them back where they need to be, because the shepherd knows that's not a path that's good and healthy for the sheep. And oftentimes he would, if nudging wouldn't work, he would not be afraid to give it a little thud along the side to, to get it back in line. And God will do the same for us, that God will protect with his rod and his discipline. Uh, he will prod us or push us with his staff as needed, And that rod is a stick that he carried again that would help to move the sheep where they need to be. And sometimes we need this. We all need it. Discipline is good for us. We don't like it. It isn't pleasant at all, as the book of Hebrews will later say, but it helps us. We grow through it. It's always for our good when the good shepherd is involved because his rod and his staff, they don't wound me and destroy me. They comfort me. And so he goes on and changes the metaphor again. To another fearful setting, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You see, God will not only protect you when you are encountering opposing forces, he will abundantly provide. He will walk through with you through times when you just wonder, how can I have peace in this moment? But here's a picture of the the shepherd providing a meal, maybe even surrounded by the enemy, but you know you're safe because the shepherd is with you. In the presence of enemies, he will still care for you. Another beautiful metaphor of our worth and our value when he says, you anoint my head with oil. 
You see, God will honor you. He will bring dignity to you and show deep respect to you. And a lot of the ideas of what does it mean to anoint someone in the Bible very much has those ideas that God has worth and value and calling placed upon that life. Maybe there's the idea that uh, oftentimes oil was also used for medicinal purposes. So there may be some of that here, but it seems as though he's kind of talking higher than that here. That, that there's this picture of, of you have worth and value and calling. You anoint my head with oil. And here's a beautiful one. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. God's abundance is unending. And it's that picture um, when you're in a restaurant and, and you have a really good server. And every time your, your drink gets halfway empty, they come and they just fill it back up. You never have to ask. and just keeps coming and coming. But it's not even the idea of the cup being mostly full. What does David say? He says, my cup overflows. The goodness the kindness, God's abundant grace just continues to overflow out of my life. And I would just encourage you today to think of that. In a time when it seems like there's more things to struggle with and be worried about, but just stop and think, where is my cup overflowing? Where is the Lord kindly overflowing in my life? But not only today is he overflowing you, he goes on to say this beautiful metaphor that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That little word follow is a beautiful word, but it doesn't just mean it's kind of lagging behind you and wherever you go eventually catch up, catches up. That word means more pursue. It's pursuing me. It's chasing me. Uh, he is, wherever I go, God is always uh, um, hunting me down with his, not with his judgment and condemnation, but with his goodness and his mercy. Uh, get that picture that the Lord is chasing after his sheep. Uh, last, next to last, one is this. It's our ultimate hope. And I will live in the house of the Lord. God wants us to stay in his presence always. He wants us to have a sense of abiding in him. And Johnny talks about in John 15, the idea of abiding, of resting, trusting in him. And this is a choice to keep him as your shepherd. I will live in the house of the Lord. And then he finishes it with this beautiful phrase, forever. I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Let the weight of that word just rest on your soul. It's been five or six weeks since many of us have seen each other and a lot of things and frustrating things that seem like they have gone forever, but really they haven't. In light of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, this is nothing. And so there's this beauty, there's this hope that, that ultimately this is where I go with the Lord, that the Lord will take me to be with him forever. There is comfort, there is strength, there is good news resting in that word forever. And so as you walk your way through Psalm 23, phrase by phrase and word by word, you get this beautiful picture of what it means to be in relationship with God. Now, I hope that if you paid attention, what's, make a list, go back later, and just make a list of all the things that the shepherd is doing. And what's the sheep doing? The shepherd is busy. The shepherd is doing all of these things. But yet the sheep are just simply listening, following, trusting, step by step, allowing the shepherd to do his good work in them, around them, and for them. And so, this morning, I just would invite you to think about this metaphor is powerful. And it's powerful because of, of the picture it gives us of, of how we relate to God, of this method by which we relate to God. And you'll note that the sheep doesn't have a lot of hard work to do, but he has the hard work of trusting. 
Because trusting is one of the hardest things we will do to let go, to trust, to, to follow instead of do it our own way. It's the simple invitation to lay down our everything and to simply say, okay, shepherd, Lord, I, I will follow you wherever you may lead me. And so this is a great metaphor. I think it's a great method by which we can relate to God. But I, I think lastly, this, I just would encourage you to meditate and think upon this later, that this is a great model by which you can bless other people. It's a great model by which you can use this to bless other people. Man, if, if you were to come at the people in your life with this kind of intentionality, uh, kindness, grace, mercy, help, boy, how different would the world be if every Christian would just live out the model by which we are being loved by the Good Shepherd. It would change rapidly. This is a leading manual in so many ways. You see, Jesus used a model like this to bless all of our lives. And he blessed those who believed in him, and he even blessed those who rejected him. That's how big his mercy and his love and his care were. See, Jesus is intentional. He is seeking the best for another, offering life and blessing to us. Uh, over the past year, we've been using this acronym for the word BLESS as just a reminder to say, what does it look like? What does God call us to be and do? And I would just simply remind you of it here today. Remember the, the, the word BLESS. The acronym, begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and just share your story. You see, that's, uh, there's a good shepherd in that, right? The good shepherd begins with being intentional. Who can I bless today? Who can I help to shepherd and care for? Maybe they're the people in my own home. Maybe they're the neighbors. Maybe it could be somebody else that you'll meet in the course of your path. You listen well. You eat with them. Again, the table analogy in Psalm 23 is relevant there. You serve that's everything that the shepherd is doing for the sheep. He is just serving and serving and serving and just sharing the story of what the Lord, the shepherd, is doing in your own life with others. And so I would invite you again just to be mindful of that um, and how that can help you in your life. And so this morning, as we, we near our end here, I, I just would pause and ask you to think about Psalm 23, the good shepherd and just ask yourself, well, what is God using this story to lead me into? Where's the nudging? Where's the work that he is trying to lead you to today? Perhaps he's nudging you in the direction of greater belief. Or maybe it's initial belief to fully trust in him. To believe in who Jesus says he was as the sacrificial lamb for your sins. And the shepherd who cares for and wants so badly to lead your life like this psalm portrays. So maybe he's nudging you in the direction of belief. Maybe he's inviting you to fall safely into his care through repentance, to admit your stubbornness and your proneness to wander, to own the damage that your sin has done. Our sin does not leave other people better or improved situations. Our sin and selfishness always harms others. And maybe he's calling us today to repent of that and to learn a different way. Maybe his spirit is calling and nudging us today to confess that Christ is our only hope. That there are no shepherds like him to call on him as the Lord and leader of your life. Maybe his spirit is calling on you to surrender, to die to yourself in baptism. 
In our faith-filled surrender in this way, we find so many good promises from the Good Shepherd and begin to enjoy so many blessings from being made new. That whole restoring work that the psalm talked about is at work in all of these things. The Good Shepherd longs to restore to us what is lost in our sin and selfishness. And maybe His Spirit is inviting you, just nudging you back into a life of daily trust and leading. He'll do the good work of the shepherd. And he asks you to just simply humbly come and be the sheep. The sheep who listens to his voice. The sheep who allows him to do the work. The sheep who follows him wherever he takes you to be the sheep. I'm going to put my cell phone number up on the screen. And uh, as we think through this and as you think about where you're at with the Lord today, I would simply... I invite you to call or text. Give me five minutes before you do that so we can finish up here. But to call or text and, uh, and just say, hey, I, I, I need to make a decision for the Lord. Or maybe I just need someone to pray for me in this area of my life. We would love to do that. And uh, we would invite you to do that here today. And so we hope that you are living out daily the good news of the good shepherd over your life. And that you're experiencing that and you will grow in that. And so I'm going to ask us this morning as we, we pray, we've got an announcement after this, but I want to pray for us and, and finish our sermon time this way. So would you pray with me, please, wherever you are. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for this humble picture of an almighty God, but yet you come to us in the form of a good shepherd. And this beautiful picture of, of the shepherd who, who seeks out his sheep, who cares for his sheep who leads his sheep to peaceful places and, and feeds them and restores where they are broken and anoints them and, and does good over them and leads them into to fruitful and good things. Father, we are thankful that we have this relationship with you. Thank you that we know that you supply our needs. Thank you that we have rest in you. Thank you that we can experience healing of our souls and our lives through you. Thank you that we have your guidance and your protection and your presence. And we have this blessing to hold on to. So Father, thank you for being our good shepherd. May we embrace our role as trusting sheep. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, today, as we finish, I have a, a thing that uh, we're, if you pay attention to the news, you know that things are beginning to adjust a little bit with our, uh, our social distancing and all of those things. Um, and so over the next few weeks, we're going to begin to put into place a few extra things that will hopefully move us in the direction of meeting together fully in this place as, as circumstances allow. Next week, uh, next Sunday, May 3rd, we are going to start having a drive-in service in our parking lot out here by the mailbox. Um, now, we don't have a mailbox, excuse me, we have a mailbox, we don't have a parking lot big enough to, to hold all of our cars if we all show up at one time. And so we're going to be offering three services, one at 8, 9, and 10 o'clock. Um, and over this, this week, through our newsletter and through our, uh, our, our online social media presences, our website, 9thStreetCC.com, our Facebook, Instagram, those kind of things, we'll be sharing details of that uh, because we're going to ask you to kind of reserve your spot and say, this is when I'd like to come so that we can make sure that we have parking and, and, and situations that are organized and, and good for everybody to be able to come and be a part of that. 
and we don't overwhelm our parking lot and, and have people all over the place because our reception won't go all that far. And so we'll be posting this stuff. You'll be getting this in, in, this week. Pay attention to some of our social media or your newsletter that will come to you this week. We will still be doing an online service at 10 o'clock uh, every Sunday morning. This will probably will be our new thing uh, going forward. So if you can't, don't want to get out, don't need to be out, please stay home, be safe. Um, we don't want to put anybody in a vulnerable place. And so you will have opportunity to continue in this format um, at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning as well. And so as we tra transition to being able to hold services of some kind in the next few weeks, uh, please continue to monitor those things. We will update you with news as we get closer to them. And we understand what's being asked and told to us as well. All right, so we hope that you will have a good day, that you will enjoy the beautiful day that's outside uh, for us this morning, and uh, that you'll be blessed. And uh, thanks for being with us today. We love you, and uh, God bless you today.